Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome in to GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights. I'm Mike Yuva, and alongside me is Intern Joe. Intern Joe, look, we are under 100 days away. No, we didn't do a show last week. Baseball heating up. We are going to do a lot of baseball stuff over the next couple of days. I know this is a football show, but I want to throw that out there. We have a lot of great things lined up over at GC that we will be sharing over the next couple of days, and hopefully we'll be doing plenty of shows as the baseball team prepares to host the regional back in Columbia. But staying with football, I want to begin tonight's show talking about recruiting because at this time of the year, we know heading into next, I mean, I say next month, I mean, a couple of days away until June, things are really going to start to pick up. The last two years, Again, we only have a small sample size. How many times have we said that with Shane Beamer? But the last two years, South Carolina has picked up seven commitments in the month of June. Okay? Seven commitments. Seven last year, seven the year before in the month of June. USC is ahead of where they were a year ago as far as numbers are concerned, which we will get into. They are ahead of how many commitments they had two years ago. Do I expect them to land seven again? This time around, maybe not, but I say that just because if it doesn't seem like, wow, why isn't South Carolina having as many commitments this year in the month of June compared to in years past? It's because they have already, shoot, 10, 10 commitments already in Dern Joe. And again, that's not to say that they won't pick up seven or eight or whatever the case may be. I think over the course of June, july and august they will land plenty but this this time around it might be a little bit different but the quality the quality is what i would look at more than anything the quality over the quantity yeah absolutely mike i mean on three recruits um just tweeted recently um the blue the 2024 blue chip percentage um which the committed four star plus five star percentage in south carolina is second in the country behind alabama with 89% 89% blue chip percentage. Um, mm-hmm. That's good. And they're, like you said, Mike, they're all committed already. Uh, you know, it's, it's really, really, really heavy front, heavy class. These guys wanted to get committed. I think that's something we're going to start seeing under the Beamer regime a little bit more as guys committing earlier. Cause they want to, you know, like, I mean, like Dante, um, for example, you know, wanted to commit early and, and build the class around, um, you know, his weapons. And, you know, I, I think that was big. I think we're going to start to see, like I said, a little bit more of that um, in the Beamer era. Um, but, I mean, June is a huge, huge, huge month for recruiting. Got a lot of guys visiting. Um, you got 
camps, finalists. Um, Dante's going to the Elite 11 finals, which we'll get to. We'll break that down a little bit. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, Mike. Big, big month for recruiting coming up here. Quick, a quick correction I want to make is that South Carolina has nine commitments right now. All right, because they lost one just the other day. Oh, I say the other day, last week that is. Um, but you know, again, with the with um, Mike Williams, the offensive lineman, decommitting from South Carolina uh, last week. So I say that so to give you an idea, South Carolina has nine commitments. Nine commitments as of today. Okay, you got one more day left in May. I don't expect another welcome home to go public tomorrow. But again. That's where we stand as of today, nine. Last year, South Carolina had just one, just one. And we saw how that 2023 class ended up in turn, Joe. It ended up pretty freaking good. Finished the 16th best in the country, 12 spots up on the on three recruiting list. When you're going, when you're talking about the national rankings, up 12 spots from where they were the previous year. I also want to share that for the class of 2022, at the end of May, South Carolina had four commitments. So, again, while South Carolina, last two years, last two Junes, they've picked up seven commitments in each of those years when we're talking about June. It's a little different this year. It's a little different. And as you mentioned, the blue chip ratio, where USC stands right now in comparison to where they were a year ago at this time, the quality is going to continue to get better. At least that's the hope. That's what you would expect with what USC has been able to do since Beamer has arrived here, right? I mean, each year you're seeing the talent as far as who USC is attracting, right? I mean, look back to when Shane Beamer first arrived here, or at least had his first full recruiting class. They weren't going after guys like Nicholas Harbor, or I say going after being able to land a guy like Nicholas Harbor the guys that they've been going after are some of the best when it comes to their positions. You'll get a guy like Josiah Thompson, right? I mean, number two on, on three for his position, 21, uh, 21st nationally is what he is ranked. Cam Pringle on three consensus, number four for his position. Also on the offensive line, Michael Smith, tight end number seventh by on three when you're talking about his position. So again, we're starting to see a trend in the quality of players. And that's not to say that USC has attracted crappy players over the last couple of years. I mean, no, no one is saying that let's not get that misconstrued because you look at the class last year, but certainly so far, and there's a reason why they are the number six team in the country when it comes to recruiting for the class of 2024, the quality has continued to get better. So, Again, focus more on the quality part of it, which I think a lot of us would agree with that regardless. But if the welcome homes, which I'm not saying there's not going to be a couple of them in the month of June, but if there's not as many, again, remind yourself where you are. Remind yourself that you only had one freaking commitment at this time last year. Last year. And things just continue to get better. I expect, though, a couple I know South Carolina, like many schools right now, intern Joe, they're really pushing, really pushing and encouraging players to commit early. I mean, that's, a, that's, that's something that more schools want to do. 
because when you take into consideration the transfer portal and we are coming towards the end, which seems like it was forever ago. Maybe it seems like it was just yesterday to some, but the COVID season, some of these players are coming towards the end of having that extra year of eligibility. So you throw all those factors in there. Coaches are really, really preaching on being able to get players to commit earlier so they can figure out the numbers game. But on top of it, like you mentioned with Reno, it also helps with recruiting because players can really go out there and say, Hey, I want you to be part of what we're doing. Look at all the guys that we have here. Reno, of course, being uh, one of the catalysts for USC for this year's class. You look at last year with Pop Howard and what he was able to do. A very, very crucial part of recruiting today. Yeah, Mike, absolutely. I wanted to bring up Kevin's comment, too, because you mentioned you know South Carolina wasn't necessarily going after guys like Nicholas Harbor um, when Beamer first got here. Dylan Stewart's another guy. I mean, we talk about him so much. Um, do we think Dylan Stewart will commit before the season? When I talked to him last summer, yeah, his plan was to commit before summer was over. Um, and I would assume it's, you know, on the same timeline. Um, he's taking visits like it is. Um, like he expects to commit before his senior season, just because, you know, he's, he's stressed to me last summer. He's like, you know, I uh, just want to make sure everything is lined up, ready to go in case, you know, injury or something like that, knocking on wood. But, you know, the Dylan Stewart sweepstakes is alive and well, Mike. Um, It's going to be a big, big June for South Carolina and and other schools in that sweepstakes. And I want to pull up the quote since we're talking about Dylan Stewart. Mm -hmm. He had a recent conversation with On3. And Chad Simmons, I believe. Looking for that exact quote. So, intern Joe, if you find it before me, we'll pull it up. Yes, but, sure. you know, the whole point being is where South Carolina stands, and, I, and I'll pull up on our website so everyone can see the RPM as far as where South Carolina stands for the Dylan Stewart sweepstakes. USC is in a great, great position. Great position. The thing that obviously scares you when it comes to just where recruiting is nowadays. And this isn't necessarily talking just about Dylan Stewart. This is just talking about recruiting in general. NIL is something that is the, it's the X factor, right? Because not every player is making a decision based on NIL, right? I mean, it's there. Um, You'd be naive to believe that players and families aren't exercising the proper measures that they want to go down. And I don't know what the heck's going on above me. I don't know if you can hear any. It looks like a freaking running of the bulls here in this condo. I mean, that that dog's like a freaking horse. Holy cow. Um, but, you know, they're going to go down their list. They're going to check off their boxes and try to, you know, educate themselves the best they can. And at the same time, too, they want to be able to put themselves in a situation where they can potentially um, – you know, get some money out of it, right? You know, be able to put little Johnny or whoever in a situation where they can capitalize off their name, image, and likeness. So, as we know, USC with the Garnet Trust, that has been very, very big. Um, You have other schools, though, that are doing what they can. So, again, I say that because not saying that that will be the deciding factor for Dylan Stewart. Seems like he has a really good connection with Shane Beamer, and that was one of the things he mentioned in that quote intern Joe that will pull up shortly but I think that relationship 
and how USC has gone about it the last couple of years since Beamer has, has arrived, those relationships have made a difference. Again, it's not going to win over every player, but you look at Nicholas Harbor, and it's hard not to say that it's not working. You know, Harbor goes somewhere else. That's not to say that it, it, it hasn't been working, but you have a player of that caliber, and we don't know the exact number. But Nike, Oregon, Phil Knight, they were throwing a bag and a half at Nicholas Harbor to commit to Oregon. That didn't happen. Is he going to have the same NIL opportunities here? Maybe they don't measure up exactly to what Oregon could have provided, but at the same time, too, it's not all about money. And that's what Beamer was preaching to Harbor. And at the end of the day, he chose South Carolina. And using a player like that, it's hard to argue that other players aren't going to pay attention to that, especially if USC has success this year and Harbor is able to find a way to carve out a role that can be one that could be quick, right? Finding a way to, to get on the field quickly or obviously making an impact in track and field as well, which we all expect. Yeah, Mike, I mean, I feel like a broken record because we talk about this every single time when we talk about recruiting in NIL, but it's it's the the NFL factor of South Carolina's coaching staff. Yep. Uh, you know, bringing in all the NFL experience, it's essentially your NIL, what you're missing, and, and, and NIL funds you're getting back in terms of NFL experience. It's like, hey, we can't necessarily do – as much as this other school, but we can get you to the next level. And that's our goal. It's always been our goal is to get you to the next level. And it's, you know, number one, keeps you by your word, but two, it, it excites guys playing under the lights. I mean, it's, it, it is, it is the NFL. It's one of the most, the most profitable league in all of sports. So, I mean, I think, I mean, Mike, we talk about it every week, um, but it, it, it's one of the bigger advantages in, in Dylan Storr's case, Sterling Lucas, his time with the Baltimore Ravens, and, and all of that. So I think it's huge um, when, when, again, you're comparing your NIL funds or NIL collectives and stuff to these other bigger schools. Um, don't forget about that NFL side of things. And as I go through, I'm trying to get the Dylan Stewart slide up for us. Mm-hmm. You know, again, still early in the recruiting process, And as you can see, based on what the RPM is, and to just remind people, just to remind people, if you remember following along the day of Nicholas Harbor's commitment, and even, shoot, I'd say 48 hours, right? 48 hours, everything was really going up and down with his RPM. This is the roller coaster that is recruiting. And that's what the RPM is supposed to show you. It's it's taken into consideration what not just the insiders for South Carolina when it comes to recruiting, Wes, Chris, but the national recruiting as well. And the guys that cover some of these other schools that some of these players are going for a player. What high school coaches are saying. Everything's kind of it's, – it's this big algorithm. And what you're going to see – when you see Dylan Stortz, that number right now for South Carolina, yeah, it's a little bit low in comparison to some of these other schools. But at the same time, too, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that USC is is not in the running. And this is what Stort had to say, and that was to the 
interview that you mentioned by, by Chad Simmons, uh, who does a phenomenal job with on three for us from a national standpoint. Uh, he said to Chad, this is from Dylan Stewart, quote, I like what Coach Beamer is doing. I see what he's trying to build, and I might want to be part of that, he said. He's building a good program. Um, he also went on to say they have to have all the components I'm looking for, all the non-negotiables. Stewart said of what he needs to find at the next level, player development on and off the field. I have to like the guys I'm going to be around in a good recruiting class. So you look at that, you know where he stands right now, right? You know where he stands right now as far as his thoughts on South Carolina. And I think from everything I've been told about the young man, and I know you had a chance to talk with him, Joe, Mm-hmm. he's not he's not bsing anyone when he says all that right we hear cliche things that players say sometimes right like oh i'm looking for this and that no it's the god's honest truth and i don't want to compare him to nicholas harbor in the sense of what harbor was looking for but it makes me think about harbor and what i mean by that is yeah. it's not necessarily chasing that dollar sign like that stuff it's going to come wherever he goes that's going to come. I mean, you look at it right now from an NIL standpoint, the projection right now, 320000 And that number should continue to go up as we head into this next season, regardless of where he commits. Yeah, Mike. I mean, he. what you see is what you get with Dylan Stewart. He's one of the more humble kids that, you know, I've been, I haven't been around the whole recruiting cycle for very long, but meeting Dylan Stewart was a nice breath of fresh air, really humble kid. And I, I think uh, one big thing with Dylan Stewart is that, you know, he's involved with the group chats of all of the recruits that are committed with Dante, with, with, um, with tree and all those guys. So I think it's big. Um, and that, the, the fact that he said, you know, he wants to be a part of a class and wants to like the guys that he's going in with. You look at South Carolina's 2024 class already. I mean, those guys are so tight. It's on, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, you talk to Dante, ask him how tight they are. I mean, he'll, he'll talk to you for, you know, minutes and minutes and minutes about how close these guys have gotten. And so I think that's huge and definitely a big draw for a guy like D Stewart, you know, again, who, like I said, is a little bit more humble, likes to st- you know, stay within himself. Um, so big, big, big um, that the fact that he said uh, he, he wants to be with, you know, a family atmosphere because that's all Beamer has been preaching. There's a lot of neat things too. If you're <clears throat> new to the on three game, or maybe you're not a subscriber and you want to check things out, head on over to on three type in Dylan Stewart when it comes to football recruiting and you can see his, measurements comparisons to uh, not just where he measures up against some of the best players in the rest of the class of 2024. You see the comparison from an NFL standpoint, you can see where, you know, his measurements compared to some of the NFL guys over the last three years for his position, just for some really cool stuff Um, highlights as well. I will say this though, going back to the RPM, going back to the RPM, which you can see everything, right? Ohio State, Alabama, Miami, South Carolina. Those numbers, obviously, if he were to you know verbally commit at any point of time, those will change. But heading into the month of June, 
even if he does not make his commitment in the month of June, I expect these numbers to change. I expect this number right here for South Carolina to go up a lot. So, again, the reason I say that is because I just truly feel, based on the conversations that I've had with people close to the program, that USC is sitting in a much better spot than I think a lot of people believe they're in. And, again, hearing those comments from Stort, it makes me feel that when he comes on campus this summer, he's going to be in a situation where he's surrounded by guys, whether it be Reno, whether it be some of these other players, and he's going to be able to get that feeling of, hey, these are the guys I'd be coming into, in, into this class with. And like you said, intern Joe, like we've seen with some of these other players from the class of 2024, even going back to 2023, they're very, very close. They're very close. And they want to be able to outdo the previous class. That was something that Reno mentioned. So being able to land a guy like Dylan Stort, and again, heading into the month of June, it's going to be a big recruiting month for South Carolina. It always is. It's been a big one for Beamer since he arrived here a couple of years back. I expect it to be big too. And I think that it could be the difference. It could be the difference between landing Stort over one of these other schools being able to pick him up. Yeah, 100%. I mean, in the weekend he is coming visit on, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I know like half of the class, if not all of it, is going to be there that weekend. So um, very, very big visit upcoming for Dylan Stewart in South Carolina. So, so I, mean, I want to see how Sterling Lucas handles it. I, I do want to bring this up by Carolina Rundown. And uh, I, I says I, he blames me for the Celtics losing. Uh, look, I tell you what, I don't know if I'd have as many turnovers as Jalen Brown. It was a tough one. Tough one for JB last night. Tough one for the C's all in general. But I will say this, though, uh, about how RPM works. Because, again, on three, still a fairly new company. RPM is different with how they go about their algorithms in comparison to the crystal balls and some of the other recruiting websites that are out there but to give you just the synopsis and i'm going to pop this up as you can see you know it combines the data and expert predictions on an ai platform and as we all know ai is becoming the the new thing right it's been around for a while but it's becoming bigger and bigger and it's also making an impact with helping when it comes to recruiting um the algorithm is built to learn from past results. Therefore, accuracy will continue to improve over time since on three hasn't been around as long. So it kind of picks up the patterns when it comes to a coach's success when it comes to recruiting. Because, again, it's not just Wes. It's not just Chris. It's not just Chad Simmons, the national recruiter for us at on three. It's not what just they're hearing, right? It's also what some of the reporters and recruiting experts for some of the other schools or Georgia, and Alabama, some of these schools that are also in the sweepstake for, in this case, Dylan Storper. It could be it for any player. And it takes all that information and, you know, you, you put it into a big blender and it kind of pours out what they're hearing. That's why, again, going back to, and I put a video up um, on National Signing Day to explain what took place with Nicholas Harbor, why that number was going up and down, because it truly was a circus. I mean, Beamer explained it on National Signing Day, how the day of, the day of, I think it was what, 3 a.m., 2 a.m., 
He sent him a message saying, hey, coach, you know, I think I'm going to commit to Oregon. So that's why it was going up and down and up and down. And I know some people are like, you know, oh, is this just BS? You know, is this just the, just throwing out whatever numbers? No, it's the God's honest truth of what's being said in real time. And, and I have, as someone that was on the outside looking in, and I'm sure intern Joe, I'm sure you'd say the same thing. When you're on the outside looking in, whether it be the crystal balls, whether it be, um, in this case, RPM, you're interested yourself in knowing, like, how does this actually work, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, where are they just getting some of these numbers? And then you're on the other side of it. You start to learn more. Uh, I have no input when it comes to the RPM stuff, but you you start to learn more about it. You understand how it's it's operating. And I think as a subscriber on the outside, right, if you're on the other side of it, the more you become familiar with on three, the older on three gets, the more familiar you get with RPM, you'll understand the algorithms a little bit better. And again, that AI platform, it's going to continue to pick up habits and how coaches have success, certain areas, right? I mean, DMV has been a big area where South Carolina has been going after since Beamer has arrived. So what's the success up there? I mean, it takes all these things into consideration, but because it's only been around for a short period of time because on three isn't that old. It still is very young and those numbers will become more accurate over a period of time, but that's where we are right now. So hopefully that, that answered your question a little bit because I'm sure you're not the only person that was curious about that. Yeah, absolutely. We had another question from Curtis. I did want to hit before we forgot to get to it, but not to get off target. How many true freshmen do you see possibly starting or even playing this year? I think, and we talked about this before, intern Joe. Yeah. I think over the next couple of years, you'll see the number of true freshmen from a too deep standpoint drop, which isn't a bad thing. That means you're bringing in talent, right? I mean, some of it obviously can be from the transfer portal, but you're bringing in talent, you're develop, you're developing that talent, and now you're putting them in a situation where you have experience where you don't have to play a freshman there are always there will always 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 be outliers right you look back to last year with nick eman worry you look back to last year with dq smith i mean those are the two players that pop up in my head uh instantly i think that number i mean you look at edge i could see desmond umio zulu um potentially seeing more time as the season goes on I mean, you pray that a guy like Jordan Strawn and um, Terrell Dawkins, those guys can get better in coming back from their injuries. But I think Desmond has a chance. I really do. I think – I'm not saying right away, but as the season goes on. Running back, you hope that Joyner or Juju or Mario Anderson can be that guy in your running back room. But I wouldn't rule out – Dontavious Braswell from the possibility of starting a game at some point. Not, not again, not the beginning of the season, but based on where South Carolina's running back room is. I mean, we saw injuries last year. I don't think it's crazy to look at Braswell and say, hey, there's a possibility at some point he could start. Do I expect him to start this season? No, but I wouldn't rule that out. And then, you know, look, we talked about him before. Nicholas Harbor competing at wide receiver. It's been the world's worst kept secret. World's worst kept secret. He's going to come in. He's going to have an opportunity to play some wide receiver and be a starter. 
how these packages are broken up, right? Inter I mean, they have so many tight ends. They got talented receivers. We know that. Nicholas Harbor brings you that speed. He can be that deep threat. Eddie Lewis can be that deep threat. Of course, he's not a freshman. Defensively, though, one more I want to throw in there. I think Pup Howard. I think Pup Howard's another guy that yeah. you could you could see. So, you know, I know I'm kind of hopping around right now, but those are the ones that, that come to mind to me, Joe. Yeah, Nick Harbor, Pup Howard, um, obviously the guys. I like Jadez, you pick too. Um, I think there's a chance he gets on the field as well. Um, so, obviously, just – the bigger names, obviously. Uh, I think you might see a little bit on the offensive line. I'm glad you brought that up because there's two that could see. Marky Anderson and uh, Luatosa Babalade, a.k.a. Yeah, Tree. Tree, yeah. Uh, could get some reps. I could see um, them kind of jumping in in like, you know, a rotational spot. Somebody goes down, put them in the fire. Um might be the case early. Might be the yeah. case early with where the depth is, and I know. Yeah, that's what and I'm I, we and I want to hit on that too because we, we did, I did a story last week with the offensive line and where South Carolina stands. And again, we didn't have a show last week, so we didn't hit on it. But in turn, Joe, I think that's a that's a good that's a good point that you brought up. Marquis Anderson, uh, Tree, two guys that you know. Again, you hope when it comes to an offensive lineman. You're hoping that you don't have to throw them out there into the fire right away. But, I mean, these are two highly, highly touted recruited offensive linemen. Highly touted. And based on what could possibly be the case because of Jalen Nichols being down, if there is some shuffling that needs to take place, those two guys could be right in the mix. I think those are two excellent picks intern, Joe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, just the, the depth, the offensive line, um, I think you, you need to see some freshmen step up. Um, and I also agree with Lynn. Um, and, Mike, you said it earlier, too, with the way the transfer portal is, I don't think you're going to see many more freshmen on the, on the two deep and just the way free agency kind of – free agency-style transfer portal has kind of taken over. You're going to see a little bit less action from freshmen. But So let's stay with that offensive lineman topic, though. Okay, because I like that. To give people an idea of where South Carolina is right now, and I know we've talked about the numbers before, the number of starting snaps in comparison to last year, and you're losing that core of starters. You do have people that are coming back that have started, but you're losing that core group. South Carolina currently, currently, because, again, they can always add a player or two from the transfer portal. They can add a player uh, as a preferred walk-on. We've seen that. The last couple weeks with a pair of them, one from Charlotte, one from Mercer. South Carolina, as of today, as of today, they currently have 19 projected offensive linemen on their 2023 roster. Of those 19 players, USC returns 43% of the starts from their O-line in 2022. Jalen Nichols, of course, fifth-year senior, started all 14 games last year. Here's the issue, though. He's going to miss the majority of the season, at least to start. Nick Gargiulo comes in. Ja'Kai Moore, redshirt senior. He started 19 games during his career at South Carolina. That's the most by any Gamecock heading into the 2023 season. Okay? Jackson Hughes, redshirt senior, preferred walk-on from Charlotte. You keep going down the list, 
Vershawn Lee, Lee started in 16 games the past two years, including seven this past season. Wanamaker's another one, Trey Jones. So I, I keep going down the list here just because once you get past Jones, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven players who are either redshirt sophomores, redshirt freshmen, or are freshmen. That's a young, young group. And that's not even talking about 2024, which if you look ahead and we start doing the math out. Great wall of Columbia. With Williams, yep, with Williams decommitting, South Carolina currently has three offensive linemen committed to their 2024 class, which puts their projected offensive line total for 2024 as of today at 17. 17. So again, you look at what USC has as of today for this upcoming season, 19. You look at next season, they have 17, and they're only getting younger and better. And that's no disrespect to the guys that, like the Nick Argillos, when I say getting better, they're bringing in young talent. They're bringing in young talent that they can develop. Josiah Thompson, Cam Pringle, Blake Franks. These are guys that, again, we talk about Pringle and Thompson, two of the best in the country. And Franks, I mean, shoot, he was getting recruited by some big schools. So I, I like where South Carolina is at with their offensive line this year. I think it's going to be challenging to develop that rapport quickly. I know we're going to talk about the Georgia game shortly, but you have to play North Carolina week one. Then you have Furman, and then you go right back to SEC play with that first game in between the hedges in Athens on prime time, in prime time on CBS. It's tough. In that position in particular, they really, they really need to come together if they want to have this offense clicking the way that I think – People hope it's it's not even about it's not even about what Dal Loggins is going to be able to to do right. He's going to draw up everything that he can. Running back situation. I know some Gamecock fans aren't happy. They would have loved to have been able to pick up an experienced running back. I get it. None of that matters if the offensive line can't come together quickly. Talented group, but just very young, very young. That's why I still believe this team two years from now is really when they're going to come through. I think. That's not to say they can't do big things this year, but if they can get through this year, these next two seasons, man, they have some young talent that they're going to be developing. Yeah, Mike, there's definitely a foundation there for a long tenure at offensive line for some of these guys. Um, too many really, really good offensive linemen is a good problem to have, especially in the SEC. So I don't really see an end to it, especially the way Lonnie and Greg are recruiting right now. I mean, they're on a hot streak and they're not stopping. Um, there's no real end in sight for the production of offensive line. So it's going to be a really, really exciting time for Gamecock quarterbacks, too, along with the fans um, in terms of offensive line play. Intern Joe, you mentioned quarterbacks. And that is a great transition because just last week, at the end of the week, some great news for a South Carolina commit. Dante Reno invited to the Elite 11 Finals. And if you're unfamiliar what the Elite 11 Finals are, because I know there's a lot of camps and all the other things that take place during the summer. If you're a quarterback, if you're a high school quarterback, a rising senior, getting an invite to this is like the Holy Grail. It is the Holy Grail. It brings together the top 20 rising senior high school quarterbacks for the class. And, of course, for this one, it's the class of 2024. And it will be a highly competitive settings. They'll be taking part in on-field drills, 
uh, routes on air, classroom instruction, and off-field development from June 14th through the 16th out in Los Angeles. The Elite 11 will be named at the conclusion of the Elite 11 finals. So I mentioned that because, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned some of the names. Just first round, first round draft picks. I mean, excuse me, number one overall draft picks alone. Bryce Young, Carson Palmer, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, Jameis Winston, Matthew Stafford, Andrew Luck. And, and actually 12 of the past 13 quarterbacks have won the Heisman Trophy, attended either the Elite 11 Finals or an Elite 11 Regional. So having this opportunity to go out there, massive for Reno. Massive for Reno. And for people, for people that are wondering why on three has him rated a little bit lower in comparison to some of the other recruiting databases, because from a consensus standpoint, the on three consensus, he's a four star on three is the only one that has him currently at a three star. He goes out there and performs well, all the people that, you know, like to say, Oh, you know, when, when a player commits somewhere, uh, if he gets some, if he commits to South Carolina, they always drop them down. They always drop. Them. I think it's going to be the complete opposite. And I expect that to be the case. I expect Reno to go out there. If he doesn't even make the, you know, the, the, the top 11, I still expect him. I still expect him to be the guy um, to earn, you know, a higher rating and, and earn that fourth star when that is all said and done as he gets ready to put pen to paper in December with the Gamecocks. Yeah, Mike, absolutely. Bringing up one of the questions here before we get to the ads, I figured we could bring up Big Reds. Do it. Will a nine-conference season jeopardize our rivalry with Clemson? Mike, go ahead. I think the reality is it it always can. It always can, right? I mean, the circumstances weren't the same, but during the COVID season, I mean, the SEC came in and said, hey, look, this is what we're doing. Again, it's comparing apples to oranges, but it also shows just the power of the conference, right? Conference said, hey, we're just playing within the conference. We're just playing conference games. And I know there's some – and it, real quick, because I know some people – I don't know where this misconception came from. Because I remember a couple of years back, I remember going down the rabbit hole when I was still at Watch Fox trying to find out if there was actually legislation for it. There is no state law. I don't know where the hell this came from. There's no friggin' state law that says South Carolina and Clemson have to play each year. They've pushed for it. They've tried to make it happen. But there is no state law. If that were to happen – if that were to happen, could that certainly protect? Yeah, no, no question. But um, again, at the end of the day, and I love the rivalry, at the end of the day, you are part of the conference that you're in. And that is something where you're trying to be able to generate as much money as you can for not just yourselves, but for the other schools in the conference. So it's kind of, you know, not the exact same, but it's kind of like being part of a union, right? And you're going against the union if you're just looking out for yourself. Oh, we want to make sure we do that. So, again, I, I, I hope it doesn't go away, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that having a ninth conference season, which, again, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but it could. Um, it could jeopardize the rivalry with Clemson. Yeah, there's always a chance, um, I think. If Clemson stays as relevant as they are um, in these next couple of years, I think it gives the SEC incentive um, to keep that rivalry on the board. As long as both teams start tracking up, it's a good non-conference game to have. It draws television viewers. 
I think, especially because last year's game was so good. It's, I mean, if the rivalry keeps getting better and better, it's going to be hard for the SEC to say no. Mm-hmm. So um, that's my take on it. But Mike, getting into the ad before we do that, you got one yeah, real quick, real quick, because I know right. we we're talking about quarterbacks. I want to just stay with it real quick and we'll hit those all ads. Right, all right. Uh, 2024, who you think will get the starting job, Reno or Sellers? My thought process on it is this. Don't rule out Luke Doty. Don't l- r- rule out Do- Luke no. Doty. I think some people are assuming that Sellers will be the number two quarterback at some point this season. I'm not going to go as far as to say that. Again, we saw just a small sample size, or at least the majority of people saw the, a, a small sample size, which was just the spring game. I don't want to rush a freshman quarterback in there, especially when you have a guy like um, Spencer Rattler already there from a starting quarterback standpoint. You pray that he's healthy and does everything that he needs to, to continue to stay out there on the field. As far as next season, okay? so I, I'm under the – assumption right now that Luke Doty will be the number two quarterback. No one will get hurt. Okay. I'm I'm going with that right now. At that point, Doty and Sellers competing because now Sellers hasn't just been here for a couple months. That's the difference, right? That's the difference. He'll be here for a full year. He'll be able to work on what I think the biggest thing that he needs to work on, which again, isn't necessarily something that it's just like, you know, you're just trying to find ways to criticize the kid is going through his progressions. That's perfectly normal, especially for a kid that was considered to still be a high schooler if it wasn't for the fact of enrolling early. And I thought from a talent standpoint, from a raw talent standpoint, he can do it all. He can throw the ball. He could run with his feet. His accuracy, um, even down the field, when you throw a 25, 30-plus yard pass, it was still there. And again, small sample size of what we saw from him. But he has the tangibles to be a very special quarterback. I think looking ahead to that season, the 2024 season, again, this is way too early, but just for the sake of the conversation, I would say my projected roster would be as of today for 2024, Doty one sellers two, And I think Reno will slide up into that third spot. And then from there, anything can happen. Uh, Reno will be in a situation that I feel like Sellers will be in this year, which is the pressure won't necessarily be on him to have to get in there. It'll be different, of course, because you won't have Reno. There. I mean, you won't have uh, Rattler there unless South Carolina, of course, were to bring in a, a veteran quarterback, an experienced quarterback. But I feel like Reno comes in if he's able to um, really blow coaches away. Then, yeah, I mean, there could be some great quarterback competition. I would give the edge to sellers for the 2024 season. Why wouldn't you, especially right now? I mean, that's a kid that has had a year under his belt at that point. Sellers heading into 2024 versus a guy like Reno who will be coming out of high school. Now Reno will be enrolling early. He'll be enrolling into South Carolina in January. And that was part of the reason why he transferred high schools this past academic um, semester. I mean, I don't know if they, what they do up there. I don't know if it's just two halves. I don't know what they do in Connecticut. Some do try semester, all that kind of stuff. But um, point being is I would give the edge to to sellers, at least at this point. But I still I'm not ruling out Doty just because I think he will have an opportunity to be the starter if he chooses to come back to South Carolina next year. Yeah, I think the battle next year is between Doty and sellers. You got to give 
Dante a year to kind of get in, into the system, get ready to go. Um, same same deal with what Sellers is doing right now. Um, I think Dante will come here or will come to South Carolina and, and do kind of or have a little bit of the Sellers effect, show up and, and, and turn some heads. But I, I don't think he's necessarily going to compete for a job as a true freshman when you have a Luke Doty involved as much as he is. I think Doty gets a shot. Uh, it'll be Doty and Sellers. Yeah, uh, Andrew Bailey we'll will have a shot. Yeah. I think it's I think it's crazy that people are, are ruling out Doty. And again, you look at that spring game. I understand that everyone wanted to see Sellers. I mean, shoot, like I just said, it was awesome. It was great seeing what he was able to do. You know, obviously, and, and even with a guy like Joe, when they're going up against the third strings and fourth strings, it's difficult. And yes, Tanner Bailey is still there. I, I going into fall camp for 2024, Reno will probably be the bottom guy, kind of like how Sellers is right now. But I also feel like Reno and Sellers are going to be the two guys that are really going to climb quickly. Sellers is going to climb quickly this year when it, when it comes to the the quarterback depth. I mean, he's going to be the last quarterback on the depth chart heading into fall camp, and rightfully so. Right when you're a freshman but he's going to work his way up quickly. I think we all expect that. But again, you know, those are the two guys that everyone is excited to see, but Doty is going to have his opportunity. Doty's going to have his chance. Um, especially when you hear coaches just talk about his progression. It's not anything where I'd say, okay, you know, Doty's going to go out there and he's going to, you know, lead the conference in passing yards or passing touchdowns or wherever the case may be. The only time we've really had a chance to see him is either in garbage time or we've seen him when he was banged up. I mean, I, I can't look at anything freshman year and say, okay, that was Luke Doty. I mean, really? I mean, that team had already checked out at that point, his freshman year. So, um, again, that's not to say that Doty will be the starting quarterback automatically because he's got some talented guys, especially some young guys behind him, and you really want to develop your young guys. But – like a pitcher, you don't want to just throw a pitcher right out there. You don't want to just throw a pitcher right out. There'll be some guys that can do it, but you get throw a guy out there and he loses that confidence early, it's tough to be able to reel it back in and put him back out there, and then they can be able to bounce back from it. Some guys can. Not everyone can, though. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I, Mike, I want to talk about taxiety real quick, if you don't mind. Tax anxiety is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax, fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated staff by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 99 on weekdays, 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through their desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Their number is 803-462-5576. Once again, their number is 803-462-5576. Give them a call for all of your tax needs. And intern Joe, today's show is also brought to you by Perfect Franchise. My Perfect Franchise. Are you ready? Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Looking for a side hustle working? 
while you're still doing your current job, wanting to diversify, build wealth, and or your leave, or excuse me, wanting to diversify, build wealth, and or leave a legacy. Well, Andy can help you. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as a franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and much, much more. His services are 100% free, and he's here to help if you have any questions about business ownership. Again, that is Andy Ludicky at My Perfect Franchise, and not a bad person to maybe reach out to Intern Joe because, as many of you know, I know there's a popular pizza place in town that is franchising. So maybe you want to get into the franchise game or maybe another business out here in South Carolina. You can give him a call, and he'll be able to help you out. That'd be something that, I'll tell you what, whether it be Village Idiot or one of these other places, being a franchisee, um, I know a lot goes into it, but it's pretty neat to have someone like Andy to help you out because there's a lot of questions that come along with it. And today's show is... Also brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. Clint is a branch manager for Movement Mortgage. Contact Clint for all your mortgage needs. You can give him a call at 803-771-6933. Again, that is Clint Hammond. Clint has helped guys out like our very own Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth. And I know right now it can be a little bit hectic if you're trying to buy a home. He can help you out with it. He can make that process a hell of a lot easier. So give Clint Hammond a call. So with that all being said, intern Joe, as we take a look at some of the other comments and questions. Let's see. I'm trying to see. I was going to say, where, where do we want to wrap this up on? What's up? got Curtis. Let's see. Carolina rundown. With the looking more and more likely that DJ Braswell gets some serious minutes this fall. How do y'all think he will perform? Are y'all comfortable with him playing so soon? Any player comparison for him? Well, I think hearing Shane Beamer talk at one of the 1 million uh, welcome home tour events that he's had to do this summer, uh, he, he's talked about the likelihood of Braswell seeing some serious time this season, just based on what they have in the running back room. And as we've said on this program many, many times, unproven depth. That's not to say that the carry on Joyner can't be a special running back. That's not to say that Mario Anderson making the jump from division two Newberry up to USC, that he can't be a special player. And don't forget Juju McDowell. I know the, his size, when you look at it, it's just like, all right, the workload, it might not be the same as a typical running back in the sec, but at the same time too, he hasn't been given that opportunity. I don't expect Juju to be a guy that, as I've said before in this show, I don't expect him to be a guy that's going to get 25-plus carries. I mean, there's always going to be outliers in the SEC. Uh, maybe if DK was having a hot game um, or or Mario, but I, I really can't see this room having a guy that's going to be running the ball 25-plus times a game. Again, there's running backs that still do it in the SEC, There's still running backs across the country that run 25-plus times a game. There's going to be always outliers, but it's not like the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, even the early 2000s where you have guys running the ball that many times. It's more of a by committee, and I know some people get tired of that. They want to just have one true running back, but 
I think these other the other thing too, in turn, Joe. It's always been my committed life. The other thing too, though, is we're seeing more of it the last couple of years in college, and it's not even just running back. You're seeing, in, um, I'd, I'd say, even defensive ends, outside linebackers. A lot of these guys are realizing, wait a minute, I can preserve my body in college, and it can help me with my draft stock for the NFL. And I can have a longer career at the next level. I know fans don't want to hear that, but it's just the reality of it. They're not going to be like, oh, coach, I don't want to go out. But there's a difference. There's specialists now. It wasn't always that way uh, when it came to college football. So I bring that up just because I think you'll you'll see him out there at some point. Player comparison, he's got speed. He's got speed. Um I think he can be a, a faster version of Kevin Harris. Tank Bigsby um, is who I have in mind. Yeah. Faster Tank Bigsby. Um, but that was really the only comp. I agree with everything you said, Mike. I mean, I think he's going to play. Um, and I think it has always been by committee. Obviously, there there's always the one outlier, correct? Like yeah. Bo Jackson's of the world. There's always going to be those. But um, – I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't expect super big things from him just because he's a freshman. Um, and then, yeah, like a Tank Bigsby style, you need somebody like that, um, especially in the SEC. You need a workhorse. You always need a workhorse. I think DJ Braswell will be him. And I'm just trying to do the math here real quick. I'm looking at stats from last year for the SEC. As you do that, I'll bring up Big Red's question. Um, does having a quarterback-wide receiver combo guy playing running back just show our ineptness at the position, or should we have more pure running backs to be taken seriously as a running threat, thereby opening up the pass? And before I get to that, just to show people, Judkins over at Ole Miss, his freshman running back, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ran the ball 274 times. I mean, he was he was only averaging, I say only, but like it's it's the point, like you're not seeing the 25 plus uh 21 carries a game in 13 games. So again, that's just to kind of show where that that line is. Um I like DJ Twitty too. But um, yeah, you know, I wish DJ Twitty had had got an opportunity. I liked what Twitty did in the spring game. Mm-hmm. The problem with the spring game is this. You always have a guy or two who really just takes off, really just has a big game. And I'm not comparing him to, you know, some of the performances we've seen, like a Jay Urich, right, in the spring game. But it's tough when you're not at practice every day to know the consistency of a player. Mm-hmm. So I say that because, there's a lot of things that I really liked about Twitty in that spring game. Twitty's got a lot of things. And for, for me, Twitty's got a lot of the intangibles. I mean, he, he's bigger. I like the third third down or goal line type back because, again, he's the workhorse on the roster right now. And Braswell is the – Well, we talked about it in turn, Joe. Yeah, we did. If he, wants to, if he wants to get on the field, right, you look at that running back room right now. Yep. And I think – and we can put, you know, 1A, 1B, whatever way you want to call it. For the sake of the conversation, I'm going to put Joyner as the starting running back. You have Joyner as the number one. Juju, number two. I mean, I'm just talking about going into camp. Juju will probably be working with the ones, though. But, yeah. you know, 
Let's say Joyner one, Juju two, Mario Anderson three. If a guy like Twitty or any of these other running backs, and they, they want to be able to get on the field, what's the number one way they can do that? Block. Be a consistent blocker at running back. We've heard it from Marcus Lattimore for in the past. You want to find a way to stay on the field as a running back. Prove that you can block. Prove that you can block. Because when you do that, it opens up many, many doors. Many doors. Because if you're a running back that can't pass block, right? If you're a liability out there, when they put you out there, everyone and their friggin' mother's going to know what's going to happen. They know you're not going to be blocking. They know it's not going to be a pass. Why are they going to put your ass on the field if you can't freaking pass block and you can only run? It's not going to happen. So if Twitty, if Mario Anderson, go down the list, all these guys, if they want to be able to see more playing time this year at running back, that's the number one way to do it. Is that the sexiest thing in the world? Certainly not. It's not going to show up in the, in the stat sheet. But it's a big part of what South Carolina needs from that running back position in order to have offensive success this season. It's not just about being able to run the ball for 70, 80-plus yards or being able to pick up those short yard situations. I understand that. It's being able to give Rattler time so that he can get the ball to your playmakers like Juice Wells, like Trey Knox, like Eddie Lewis, like Marion Brown. Go down the list, well, like Juju, Nicholas Harbor. Juju's a known pass blocking threat too. I mean, if you he's guys, got better with it. From everything guys, we've been told this spring, he got better with it this spring. If you listen to any of Eric Douglas's pressers last last season, when he was asked about like skill guys pass blocking, Juju was always the first name he brought up. Um, and so I think, and it's cool because again, a little guy like that throwing his nose and in, into some of these bigger SEC talent level defensive ends it's, it's fun to watch sometimes but um I, I i agree um mike i did have something for big red's question if we did want to get back to that. yeah let's get back to big red all right sweet yeah so quickly before before you go um yeah having a quarterback wide receiver combo guy playing running back show our numbers no i don't think it does i think what it does is show kind of the opposite right it shows depending on how, how it does work out. Like if, if DK playing running back is just a complete and utter failure and they don't have, have any sort of sense of a game plan, then yeah, it does. But I, I mean, I, I think Dell Loggins is smarter than that. He's going to have some kind of complete game plan for, for DK and, and to move him in and around the offense. I think having a guy like that is, isn't necessarily inept if you use him right, if you use the packages right and whatnot. Um, and obviously you still do have some of the pure running backs. Like we talked about DJ Twitty. You've got it on Tavius Braswell, um, Mario Anderson too. Um, so I think both those, all those guys, they have the potential to kind of, you know, explode when they want um, or, or have the potential to be um, one of the, you know, mainstays in the rotation at running back. So um, I don't necessarily think it shows the ineptness more of, I think it shows if it's used right, if DK, the DK package is used right and put together well, um, I, I, I think it shows, you know, kind of the offensive prowess of, of Adela Loggins. And one thing that I think gets overlooked sometimes when we talk about the situation that South Carolina has with the carry on joiner in the running back room this year. 
Well, being able to land a guy like Diggs or whoever, insert experience running back here for South Carolina via the transfer portal. If South Carolina was as concerned as I think some people on the outside are about the yeah. running back situation, oh, yeah. they would have someone else in there. Okay. Yes. They would have someone else. That's not to say they're looking at it and they're not saying, okay, hey, we can be a little bit better. Certainly they want to be there. They certainly want to be better. Any friggin' football team in the country, college, pro, high school, wherever, right? If they can find a way to get better in a room, they're going to do everything they can. And obviously high school is a little bit different depending on, you know, unless you're a private school, you can recruit all that, but you get the point. Point being is South Carolina, is, is this an ideal situation that they're in at running back right now? No. Certainly not. However, go back and listen to Monterio Hardesy, okay? What Monterio mentioned in the spring is that he had even thought about the idea and wanted and wanted to carry on to be in the running back room last season. But he knew that wasn't going to happen. He knew that they weren't going to move him from wide receiver. This year, the circumstances are different, and he's in that room. And again, I'm not saying that Joiner is necessarily going to be, you know, rushing for a thousand yards this year. I mean, maybe he does. Maybe he does. But I think this, I, I think the situation, the situation isn't as bleak as some people on the outside have have made it out to be. It's not <laughs> ideal, but again, if it was as bad as some people are making it out to be. South Carolina would do absolutely anything, anything to bring someone in here. Anything. They would have pushed earlier. They would have pushed earlier to get the running back that ended up going to Kentucky. They would have. Or LSU. I mean, they would have pushed harder to go to Logan, go get Logan Diggs. And that's not to say they didn't want these guys. On fire. Yeah. It's not to oh, say yeah. they didn't want these guys. And I'm not telling you that the running back situation, everything is sunshine and rainbows. But, again, I, I truly believe – that when we talk about what South Carolina needs out of that running back room this year, you need someone that can pass block. We haven't seen it in a game at running back, but Joyner, as Monterio has mentioned before, he's on the punt team. He's one of their best blockers. And how you go about that, it's very similar at running back. And I think with his skill set, Knowing that it's not just being able to run the football, he can throw it too. Yeah. Go ask North Carolina. Now we're getting ready for Week One. I mean, you you imagine, you imagine going into Week One right now where there's so many unknowns, so many unknowns about South Carolina. You have a new offensive coordinator. You don't know what the hell that running back room is going to look like in terms of the pecking order. You don't know what the offensive line is necessarily going to give you. And you don't know what Rattler, what he's going to give you until we have an idea of what this offense looks like altogether. Or, or, but or, you're going up, but you're going up, you're going up with the or, or the wide receiver room. Yeah, which, I was going to bring up the wide we receiver. could talk about, but you you're know. going up against North Carolina. You don't think they're going to be saying, ah, shit, Joiner's in the backfield at running back. We, we have to be spending some time on him throwing the football. We have to be spending some time on him being able to be, you know, motioning out and being a wide receiver, right? Being a threat in the receiving game because he understands all the route concepts and can do a little bit more 
at wide receiver than most running backs. The amount of time that North Carolina, North Carolina is going to have to spend on defense, an area that they weren't that strong at last year. The amount of time they're going to have to spend when they prepare for USC just blows my mind at how much South Carolina is going to be playing head games with UNC. Because, again, week one, there's a lot of unknown. Just every team's going to have to be dealing with that. But the idea that Joyner, that same Joyner, that embarrassed the hell out of you in the Duke's Mayo Bowl on that same field that they're going to be playing on, you don't think they're going to be spending extra time knowing that he's going to be in the backfield? You don't think there's a possibility that Spencer Rattler could motion out there? They're both in shotgun. It's going to be fun. Week one, there's a lot of unknowns. But, again, I I think there's going to be some things that people are not going to expect from Joyner and this running back room as a whole that they're going to be able to surprise a lot of people. We'll see a lot of it week one. Yeah, I guess transitioning into our last question, going with it, I think another thing that is going to be fun is going to be to see who steps up behind Juice Wells. Obviously, Juice is your number one target, but – what the wide receiver room will look like. Um, it's it's going to be really interesting. You brought in a lot. You brought in a lot of transfers. Eddie Lewis, I Eddie believe. Lewis, yep. Eddie Lewis from Memphis. I am really high on that kid. I think that kid's got a really high ceiling, really, 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 really freaking fast. So if he gets loose in the open field, look out. So um, besides Juice Wells, and you, what you see is what you get. And I think this year's – I like a Marion Brown too. Yeah. Marion Brown, Marion I think – with yeah. the speed, I mean, think about that. Juice, and I'm obviously I'm not saying that Juice and all these guys are the same level, but Juice, Brown, Lewis, Nicholas Harbor, those four guys talking yeah. about speed. And we're not even talking about Trey Knox yet. We're not even talking about Juju or uh, DeCarion De- in the backfield or even Dontavious Braswell out of the backfield, which we don't know what we're going to – Mario Anderson, he's been flashing the hands a little bit. I mean, there's so many, there's so many unknowns about this team. But one thing that we do know is they have a lot of speed. Can they put it? Leggett, oh, thank you, yes. Lynn. Xavier Leggett looks like a freaking linebacker right now. I mean, we, credit, credit Luke Day and the strength and conditioning staff. I mean, the, the size of some of these guys. How many times, how many times did we hear in the past the number of Gamecock fans bitching, and rightfully so, bitching about the size of some of the guys oh that's not sec size right there that's not sec size you saw it more so in the trenches and maybe that's where south carolina got pushed around a little bit again they had players that went on to play in the nfl on both sides of the ball but i use that position in particular both sides of the ball because those two positional groups because that's where you noticed it the most the size on these players the size on these players is night and day night and day compared to when Shane Beamer first arrived here. So Xavier Leggett, again, Luke Day, that strength and conditioning program and that staff, kudos to them, but a big shout-out to Leggett. And there's many other guys that are also pushing themselves uh, this offseason, and it's evident. But that photo, I'll try to pull it up real quick. If I'm strong and then you strong and then we all strong then, Mike, I mean, it's – Luke Day's ways are taking over really yeah, quickly. Gar- and Gar- said he's up. And Joiner, and Joiner, we've mentioned it. Yeah. Joiner, the night before the the spring game, he was at 
a Garnet Truss, Gamecock Bourbon Society, and Cox by 90 event at Bourbon on Main Street, Joyner's back, his back has gotten so wide. And I say that because he looks like a running back. I mean, I remember covering him in high school when he was at Fort Dorchester and he was running around the, I don't want to say scrawny quarterback. It wasn't scrawny, but string bean in comparison to what he is now. So, any, I mean, shoot, even in comparison to his first two years here, he's really put on a lot of muscle. Um, and that's, again, you need that if you're going to be playing running back in the SEC. Absolutely. Any, um, before we wrap things up, South Carolina, Georgia, week three. Between the hedges, it's going to be on CBS, national televised game. It's going to be fun. It is, again, look, we remember what happened last year, okay? Georgia kicked your teeth in. I mean, let's just put it bluntly. I mean, they, they kicked their teeth in. You're going to have an opportunity to go there, and based on what happens week one, you're either going into Athens at 2-0, and and I'm not trying to overlook Furman, but – you should win that game week two. You're either going into Athens at one and one or, or two and oh. Okay. Most likely. So that could be, again, God forbid USC loses week one. God forbid, because anything can happen when you're playing a power five team week one. They're always a toss up. UNC, they're likely going to be a top 25 team heading into week one. God forbid you lose that game. That's a game that now if you lose to Georgia, you fall to one and two, right? And we've seen South Carolina over the last couple of years, these slow starts, these slow starts. If you can be able to somehow, somehow, even just compete with Georgia, that's what it's about, just compete. On a national stage on CDS, I think it's huge, yeah. Whether they win or lose, I think a close game does a lot for your brand. But at that point, at that point, though, again, talking about some of the unknowns, the running back situation, the offense as a whole, and it goes back to just a quick comment I want to pull up that William mentioned. Yeah, different type of offense. You have a new offensive coordinator. There's going to be some similarities from last year. But this is an offense that will be um, – they'll, they'll be fast. It'll be a fast-paced offense. And that is catering to a strength of USC, which we just alluded to, which is they have so much speed. They are extremely well-conditioned. I know every team in the country, they go through their strength and conditioning. I can tell you from talking to people inside that building, this is as good as it has been from a conditioning standpoint in a long, long time. I know that sounds like it's like, okay, what does that really even tell us? Why do I need to know that? I think back to one of my favorite movies, Coach Carter. And I think back to that first game they won, and they just absolutely outran that team off the court. And that was the difference. So, again, if South Carolina is, you know, speeding up, um, going no huddle, whatever they want, if they can be able to start clicking on offense and they're going fast, they're going to tire some teams out there. Because they have the speed to really stretch the field. Really stretch the field. It's just got to stop the run. Just yep. stop the run. We'll just show some of these comments here. 
And then we'll wrap things up. SC bold. Scout Guy. Scout Guy. Bold. Two bills. I don't know. Mark, write that one down. Write yeah. that one down. Good to have you on here, as always, SC Scout Guy. William says, need to stop Georgia running the ball. That's their go-to, right? Them and, um, them and their, their stud tight end. Bowers, yeah. Who could be running the ball? A little bit. Yep. And, again, the only thing that I, I get worried about when we talk about offenses that want to play fast, right, go no huddle. You need to find a way to convert first downs, right? You go out there, and you're going fast pace, three and out, three and out, three and out. Not only I don't think that it's throw off all your fast. rhythm, but you also you also hurt your defense because they're not having any time to catch their breath on the sideline. Yeah, I don't regret. I don't think it's going to be Tennessee fast, but a little bit more. Yeah, chances coming into week one. Lynn says, I really like our chances week one. Coming from someone up near Raleigh, whose husband went to NC State. UNC's defense is suspect unless you found some players I am not aware of. Their defense is certainly their Achilles heel. They have a phenomenal quarterback. Um, The offense is what really propels them. But again, week one, you hope that that joiner factor will eat into some of their defensive time as they prepare for the Gamecocks. It happens with teams. Teams will spend a little bit more time defensively if they're preparing against a certain look, certain packages. And, again, because of what took place in that very stadium, I'd expect Tennessee – excuse me, not Tennessee. I see Tennessee right there. That's why I said Tennessee. I expect North Carolina to spend more time preparing for USC's offense because of the carry-on joiner especially with him being in the backfield. And who knows? He could be in the backfield. He could be at receiver. He could be at quarterback. He could be selling hot dogs. I don't know. He could be doing everything. Jordan does a little bit of everything. Also does special teams as well. Well, in turn, Joe, it's been a fun one. It's been a fun one. Again, June, things are going to pick up with recruiting. If you're not already a subscriber to Gamecock Central, head on over to GamecockCentral.com. Sign up today, just $29.99 until the beginning of August. If you have never been a subscriber to a recruiting website, you're not just getting football recruiting, which, again, it's going to be big. Baseball, big time right now. Regional action is back in Columbia. You get all that. You get women's basketball recruiting updates. You get everything, absolutely everything. So head on over to GamecockCentral.com. If you missed any of our show today, you can head on over to Gamecock Central's YouTube page, where you can find this show for free. Watch it from the beginning. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central podcast platform, where you can listen to today's show in its entirety, as well as any other shows. We have the interviews, the Garnet Trust interviews that air on 107.5 The Game, as well as the daily 107.5 The Game GC Takeover Hour with Wes, Chris, and Tyler. You can hear that as well. Over there, he's in turn, Joe. What, what you got in turn, Joe? We have foul balls tomorrow night, seven o'clock. Um, I believe me, Colin Taylor, Jack Veltry previewed the regional, the baseball regional, and then we do have something in the works for that baseball regional coming up. Stay tuned to Twitter for, for that. Perfect, as well. perfect intern, Joe. He's in turn, Joe. I'm Mike. You, we appreciate everyone watching tonight. Have yourself a great week, and we will do it again next Tuesday. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.